Hey guys and welcome back to another podcast, Tea with the Queen. So today we're going to be talking about men versus women. A little bit controversial, but it comes up on my social media platforms all the time that the family court favours women. I am joined as ever by my colleague, Miss Amy Banks. (laughs) Thank you. I always love how you introduce me as Miss Amy Banks. I get the full name. (laughs) Absolutely. But yeah, I'm back Um, again. (laughs) Yeah. So, and for those of you that don't know, um, I am actually a practicing family law solicitor. Amy works in my firm with me. So we actually get to see this topic from both sides. We actually get to see it in practice with people who are in the family court system. And then we get to see or hear from people on the social media platforms as to what their experiences have been and what their reality is. So today we're going to focus on why perhaps you're within the family court system because you can be there for a few different reasons and why perhaps people think that the family court favours women. Amy has also run a poll that she's going to talk to us about in one second, um, but that has generated a lot of interest, a lot of questions that we will also go through during this podcast. So Amy, tell me a little bit about the poll. Yeah, so the poll, obviously put it over the Facebook and Instagram. Um, it did generate a lot of uh, of chats between you all. And I also think the TikTok videos, obviously, that we put up ever uh, daily, uh, they, a lot of them, they can tend to go into the same theme of like men v. women uh, in family court. But with, with regards to the poll, uh, we got close to 3,000 results, which, wow. yeah, it was very interesting. Um, so good. So they ended up being 77% in favour of women and 23% in favour of men. What, just explain that to me. So 77% of people that voted thought that the family court did favour women. F- yeah, did favour women. Wow. Yeah, and I think what was interesting is kind of seeing the who was voting, like gender wise. Yeah. Um, because it tends to be on our socials, we get a lot of women who will vote, but it tends to be a lot of men who will comment. I so see. I think there tends to be quite a lot of uproar on the socials because the men will straight away be like, Oh, it's a woman that's put this, like yeah. it's a woman's question. Yeah. And sometimes what's quite funny is we don't actually put a gender in the video. And yes. we kind of let, and automatically it tends to be that you've sided, that yeah. it's come from a woman who's who's asked a question. Yeah. And I do, I love playing with the genders on the videos because you just know what's going to really set people off. You're, you're absolutely right. And I think what also feeds into it is that I am a female solicitor. <laughs> so I think that people, certain people, let's say, yeah. will assume that I am more for the women. And we spoke about this before yeah. because ironically, most of my client base, not that this was a deliberate attempt by me, are actually males. Yeah, we do. A I lot tend of males. to have, or, or the firm represents, and, and we've actually looked at um, statistically our client base, and we we slightly edge it with more male clients than female. So it's interesting. It's so but, interesting. I yeah. find that mad about how like because you do you have this not a rep but there's there's always that comment on one video or like every day someone's like oh well I don't know why you're listening to this woman she clearly just loves only sides with the women (laughs) it's like she's all she's telling women what to do and it's like oh questionable because it's not always like that yeah so let's kick off by just giving a little bit of context around why you might find yourself in the family court for those of you that maybe aren't familiar with family court or perhaps you're already in the system There'll be a couple of reasons why. The more generalised reasons will be children. So you're before the family court trying to sort out 
who the children live with if, if the parents can't agree and who they're having contact with or from a financial element following your divorce. So when a couple get divorced, if they can't agree on, you know, who has what in terms of equity in the home or savings in the bank, they will have to go to court and ask for the court's help. So they're generally the two main reasons why you'll find yourself in the family court. There are obviously lots of peripheral reasons as well, if there's domestic violence, etc. But for today's purposes, for today's podcast, we're just going to centre around the children's applications and the financial applications. Yeah. So I think where a lot of the controversy comes from is probably... I'm going to say the financial applications. Yeah. And if I just jump straight in and let you, the audience, know why, it's because in our society, typically, it will be mums that stay at home with the children. Now, I know that there's a few of you thinking, well, that's a really broad brush statement, Trace, and it is, but I'm just generalising Because obviously, biologically, we have the children, there'll be a lot of mums that actually want to stay at home and raise the children and the husbands are, or the fathers, are more than happy for the mums to do that. So what does that mean if that relationship then breaks down? And if it's a marriage and it breaks down? Well, if mum isn't working because she's staying at home with the children and she's always been the main carer of the children, she will then by default of that position, get more of the equity. And for those of you that are starting to throw things at the screen and asking me why, (laughs) it's because she would be seen in the legal system as being the more financially vulnerable. So A, she's got to house the children because she's the main carer. So we're going to assume the children are going to live with her because father's working. So therefore, she's going to need a bigger property and because of that she'll get a little bit more of the equity and of course if she's not working because she's looking after the children it might be that father has to then pay her some spousal maintenance on top of child maintenance so I think that's where it stems from definitely because people then walk away from court the fathers in this example and say well she got everything why wasn't it 50 50 out of interest Not being a lawyer, um, what would be your take on that? I kind of, I see it in the same way. Like, I do think, obviously, with women in court. I do think going further down the line, it will change because I think the dynamics of how the world is working and who is staying at home, I do think we've got a more of a equal kind of between men and women. But going back in, in time... I mean, it's a whole subject, but there has been a massive divide with like whole equality with men and women and working. So I do think women are more, I don't want to say more favoured, but I do think they're more likely to have, like get more because of the position they're in. Yeah. But do you, do you appreciate that how that laws apply like do you yeah, get no, definitely. having listened to that little explanation yeah. that I gave <laughs> as to why so if we flipped that yeah and in some instances and I have had this over the course of of my my career where it's the father that's staying at home and yeah. it's the father that's looking after the children if we flip it then he's going to actually get more yeah and that's why I started the explanation by saying generally in our society it, it's just 
it's the norm. It's my the fear. norm. Yeah. yeah, it's and I, that's what I was saying in the sense of like moving forward. I yeah. think it's not so much going to be the norm because I think it's, yeah. it, you kind of women do work like want to work and they're given that more opportunity. I think. And also I think men are getting, they get paternity leave more now, don't they? They do, Which yeah. can be extended and, and all of that because I think that's a whole like uh, thing that people talk about is yeah. the fact that mothers obviously, they have the maternity leave so they're at home and things yeah. like that. But um, yeah, I do think as time moves on, it will be interesting to I see think, how it goes. But right now, yeah. yeah. But I also want to throw something else into the mix because when we are as couples having children making these sorts of decisions obviously we're not making them on a legal basis from a legal framework the other thing that makes family law fairly complex and one of the reasons I love doing it is that you have to also weigh up the emotional decision making what I mean by that is generally speaking and again I know I'm generalizing guys but when a woman has her babies she feels very maternal and is looking to stay at home with them yeah whereas the father is less likely to do that so while I accept your point yeah that society will or is changing Mm -hmm. more and more women are working from home more and more women are doing it all you know we're having the children we're having the careers we're doing it all I think it'd be very difficult to get away from that instinctual element of a mother just genuinely wanting to be with her children and a father having that urge to really want to go out and provide yeah that's so true actually and I guess you've got that motherly instinct because you've got children have been through it yeah but then also you um you wanted to go back to work after being at home yeah so I I made or myself and Brendan my husband made the decision that I would stay at home yeah I didn't realize I'd be at home for so long um obviously we had our first child I tried to go back to work he was about six months old and I I couldn't do it I just couldn't leave him (laughs) that that yearning my maternal instinct took over so we made the decision that I would stay at home with the plan of maybe doing a couple of years, that turned into nine years because then we had four children. <laughs> I was going to say, you, but had a, then, you had a whole nest yeah. growing. <laughs> and then when I did go back, I did feel really vulnerable. i have been out of the workforce for such a long time. I really felt as if the world had moved on. And I'd been, you know, sort of really immersed in bottles and nappies yeah. and playgroups and, you know, reception and schools and everything else. And all of a sudden I was floundering. Um, but looking back, I was glad I had the opportunity to do both. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and don't get me wrong for those ladies out there. Not everyone has that maternal instinct, but I'm just no. saying that the majority of us do. Yeah. Um, and, and it's hard then to balance that sometimes against that legal framework. Yeah, and I think obviously touching base what you're just talking about as well is when they've been off of work for so long, you were saying about you were nervous obviously going back. And I think we do have a few clients that are like, they haven't been in that working world and how much things are changing. I mean, you've only got to go back to the pandemic. We've seen how much even like law has changed and we hardly we have a lot of remote hearings and it does change yeah. the whole dynamic it then. It really does. And we do get a lot of clients are like, oh, well, we're not there in person. So it's like, oh, I think that maybe if, if they're a male, they're going to they're gonna dominate in a hearing, yeah. that kind of thing, because they've, they've, they're a bit more, more spoken and things like that. And I do think going into the world we are now, 
It is a bit daunting because things is. do change in the blink of yeah, an eye. 100%. So if we then flip it, so the other example I gave you guys was you'll find yourself, you may find yourself in the family court uh, for the children's applications. And again, we get a lot of dads that say, oh, the court favours mum because mum got full custody and all I'm getting is these poultry alternate weekends. Yeah. Let me explain again how the law will look at that. So the first thing I always say to clients is it's the law that we're working with, which is the Children's Act, is very clear in that it will be the child's right to have a relationship with both parents. Okay, so if that's our starting point and you have mum and dad that attend court, the first thing the court's going to look at is, well, what's the status quo? What is the child used to at the moment? What's the child's routine? And again, typically in our society, the children will have been reared by mum. Not always, um, but for the majority of cases, particularly the cases that come into my firm, um, that mum will have been the stay-at-home mum or she'll have worked part-time to maybe be there to do the score in the morning, do the score in the afternoon. So the court starting point then will be, well, the status quo is that they live with mum and mum is the main carer. And of course, what that means is that the court don't want to necessarily disrupt that status quo, which is why fathers may only get a couple of evenings in the week after school for maybe tea um, and then alternate weekends. It's not because the court favours mum. Because if we flip it and it was dad that stayed at home and mum was out working full time, the court would apply it in exactly the same way. And there's those of you out there going, no, 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 that's not the case. But trust me, it is. They're just looking at where... The, what the children, um, what their routine has been, what yeah. the status quo for and them has been. And what's the best interest for them. Yeah, As absolutely. we always say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah. we did actually have a comment um, which literally said, standard for the father is every other weekend. And obviously oh, you're really? just... Yeah, yeah. So obviously you're so explaining that's, that. Yeah, that's probably come from, you know, one father that's maybe gone for joint custody or yeah. maybe, you know, sole custody and he's walked away with alternate weekends. And what I would say to that person is look at the routine that was there before you went to court. The other things that I think um, some fathers try to do is that the relationship breaks down and, you know, they've worked full time and mum has always been there to look after the children. And then dads will say to me, I want to go for sole custody. We call that now, we don't use the word custody anymore, we call that um, sole residency um, or a live with order. It's really hard to change that routine. So if a child's always been with mum, very hard for then dad to flip that on its head, particularly if dad's working full time. So And the reason I bring that up is because a lot of fathers will say, well, that's just not fair. Why, yeah. why should she automatically have the children? It's not. It's because she's probably had the children before the relationship broke down. Yeah, and say if, um, obviously coming so from not a legal background, if, a, if it is awarded that it's every other weekend, can a father then change down the line, can that be changed, that order? Or... Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Where, where we have a father that wants more contact than that... The strength in father's case will always lie in, is it in the best interest of the child? So Mm. actually, if by having alternate weekends, father feels that's not enough, 
then absolutely we would start by maybe introducing an overnight contact in the week but we would have to demonstrate to the court that it's in the child's best interest and not simply because that's what father wants yeah you know and that's that can be difficult sometimes um you typically won't get every weekend because that wouldn't be fair on mum because then mum's just left with the routine the Monday to Friday that you know the bedtime routine the morning routine the school runs and actually gets no downtime with the kids to maybe go out and have some, you know, take them to the park or just do, you know, relaxing things with the children. So every weekend isn't going to be an option on a long term basis. It might be to start contact and introduce contact again. Through the week and yeah. things like that. But so it's not impossible to increase from alternate weekends if it's in the child's best interests. Yeah. And I think that's why children's hearings, like they children's matters, they go on for so long. Because yeah. it just, it can change. It can just keep changing and yeah. changing. Things could be introduced, something doesn't work or something yeah. can pop up and then you're back in court again. And I think that's kind of like the finances. Yeah, it can be dragged out, but I mean, we've seen some lengthy children's. Oh, yeah. I mean, cases that are still going yeah. on now and it's been years and whether that's to do with the parents, obviously just not agreeing or the courts, obviously yeah. they're so backlogged and inundated with applications now that you just see things just go on and on and on. Yeah. The, I think the other thing to throw in there as well is, and, and I know that we've, we the comments have touched upon this, is the longest case that I ran yeah. was four and a half years. And the reason for that is that halfway through or maybe 20% of the way into it, um, one of the parents started to make allegations, very serious allegations against the other parent. So, of course, that really then requires lots of hearings, lots of evidence, lots of cross-examination, testing that evidence, and that can really draw out um, a children's application. And I know that you've had some comments around that. Yeah, so going off of um, people's comments that we've had um, around allegations, we had one that was, mothers have identified that if they use allegations of abuse, they can draw the process out longer and take my money. Oh, so again, you know, Mm. and and I'm not going to say that it's always mothers that do that. Clearly, this has come from a, a... father who's left that comment there um the sad reality is that does happen and it happens for two reasons sometimes um if you can submit that you have been the um subjected to domestic violence it may assist you in getting legal aid yeah and the sad reality is that sometimes people will make these allegations because it helps them get free legal costs. Yeah. So it helps them um, negate the fact that they don't have to pay for their solicitors then. Um, and again, that, that does happen. And I have seen that happen in practice. And, and that's quite sad, really, that the public purse is called upon and these allegations aren't true. But then, yes, the other reason is because they assume that if the allegations are believed that actually the court will then say well father is not having any contact can't possibly have any contact and it's never as clean cut as that the reason being that the law is very clear it's the child's right to have a relationship with both parents yeah so even where we have some safeguarding concerns for one of the parents we can generally find a way for contact to take place that might be indirect contact it might be that all that parents awarded is a FaceTime call once a week or letters, cards, Christmas presents. 
it might be that the contact is supervised. Yeah. So we still have direct contact, but that parent may not be left alone with that child. There'll always be somebody, maybe another family member there that's there to supervise the contact. And of course, it's always changing and evolving yeah. because as the children get older, then, or they learn to talk, for example, they can communicate what's going on during contact. As they get older into teenagers, mm. generally they vote with their feet and don't want to have contact with even. <laughs> no, I was going to say, my brother, he was out the door. Yeah. <laughs> the second he was old <laughs> enough, he dips and dabs. I mean, I, I go back and forth home when I need to. But yeah, like you were saying, 100%. Yeah. So, but that 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 can be true. And, yeah. and, it's, and it's sad that that happens, but sometimes false allegations can be made. And touching on, you were talking about legal aid, how it's yeah. changed. Do you think that since it's changed, more people are coming out with allegations of abuse? I find that in, in my practice, um, yes, because the the legal aid was there to help people that couldn't afford it. Yeah. The government decided about 10 years ago now to take away the legal aid, but people still can't afford it, you know. Even so, more so now. Even, even more so, that's, yeah. That's what's really... And where you have to come to court for help because you simply can't agree with your ex, whether it be the finances on divorce, whether it be the children, you know... It's it's not it's never the right option, but people do 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 that, yeah. and yes, people are fabricated. The, the problem is you can never prove that no. because the one person that says you know these allegations did take place, the other person will say, well, no, they didn't, but they're going to say that anyway. Yeah, you know, as lawyers, we just kind of have to get on with it really yeah and it's almost going back to what i was saying earlier is the world's moving so quick it's whether the court system can move as quick yeah. at the same time yeah it's like obviously they've changed that but yeah. it's almost like now with the cost of living and everything does it really work yes with yeah. the way that we are at the minute yeah it's so, so true yeah um Guys, for those of you that can hear <laughs> little Ralphie whining in the background, yeah. um, we've got some workmen here today, so I've kind of penned the dogs to one side, um, and he's not happy about it at all. He's, he's looking he's at me his say. through the bars of the stair gate to say, well, this is none at he all. Might, we might end up giving in at some point yeah. during this podcast. You'll start hearing little pitter-patter. It's yeah. not babies. It's actually uh, it's little puppies. <laughs> it's That's mini- Tracy's babies now. Edition. Yeah, they are definitely my babies. Um, <laughs> let's have a little look at some more comments. Okay. So we, um, I mean, we've already said, so someone said, hopefully they favour what's best for the children. I mean, that's always going to be... Yeah, no, again, it's controversial. Of course, the court's going to in, in uh, apply the legal framework and always going to do what's in the best interest of the children. Will the parents agree? Not always, you know. I, I always think that if you're going to take your matter to court, expect to come out having conceded something. It's never going to be a win-lose. It's never going to be a win-win. I think both parents, if we're talking about children matters, are going to come out thinking, well, you know what? I didn't expect that. You know, that's not quite what I wanted. I got a little bit. You go in with it. it. Absolutely. So I think the court's going to apply what's in the best interest. The parents may not agree with the court's decision. But then I say to clients, look, if you guys want to sort it out yourselves, that's the best that's the best outcome. Yeah. You're never going to get the best outcome from court because the court's taking away the emotion, applying a legal framework, and it may not be what you quite wanted. Yeah, and the courts always now, um, we see through orders, um, that they always put about parenting apps. Like, because the yeah. courts always want it to be between the parents because yeah. you guys are, you're the ones with your children. Yeah. They don't want to be involved. They obviously want you to have that. I mean, it's not always 
things can happen and, yeah. and you, you do need to go through like solicitors and through the court process but they do have those apps out there I mean obviously changing times again we're using apps now to communicate yeah. rather yeah. than letters it's so but, true. It's, but that's kind of like the route you're having to go down yeah. but they're obviously try them like you, you don't know unless you try absolutely and the parenting apps can be great they're not for for everybody no. ironically I had a, a client a conversation with a client this week and she's feeling a little bit bullied by the parenting app actually yeah. and it's still a way for you know sort of dad to exercise a little bit of control but on the whole they work really well yeah um, and you know the courts are always encouraging better co-parenting yeah because essentially the reason why parents are at court is because they're not able to co-parent i'm not saying that one's right and one's wrong but they're just struggling to be able to navigate who has the children when it's almost like they've gotten a rut that they just can't get back out of it and they're just you can get so deep into all the wrongs that you kind of lose sight of who you're why you're in court for and it's your children and and the reason for that and i say this to all the trainee solicitors that (laughs) i that i teach is because family law is so emotive you go eloise you listening yeah (laughs) yeah she yeah she will be um but yeah, it, it's the decisions that are being made and sometimes the instructions that we receive yeah. are based on emotion. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I think we kind of spoke about that a little bit on the last podcast. We but did. Yeah, you can get, it gets really emotional and, and you and you hear it, you see it like, and you just kind of, it's finding that ground and, and realising why you're doing it at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. Let's have a look at another one. Uh, so we've got, auto- so this is what someone said. Um, so it's automatic 50-50 unless there's safeguarding concerns. Not usually. It's not automatically 50-50. Again, it goes back to what has been the routine for the children. So, you know, if mother has always looked after the children and, and done the bedtime routine and perhaps dad works long hours and comes in late at night and is gone early in the morning, it wouldn't necessarily go to a 50-50. If parents agree when they separate that it's going to be 50-50 and that works for them, great. Yeah. Of course, the other thing as well is you've got to sort of make sure the children aren't being pulled from pillar to post. I have actually had a few cases in the past where I look at an order, so a client will come to me and say, yeah. We've already got a child arrangements order, Trace. It's not working. And I look at it, and the poor children are with dad one night, mum the next next night, dad the next night, mum the next... And you think, God, the the poor kids must be exhausted. Um, Some parents will have, you know, three nights in week one, and the other parent has four nights. And then in week two... The first parent will get four yeah. nights. and But again, you've got to look at what the children, what's in their best yeah. interest. Do we have one week with mum, one week with dad? So it can be difficult, even if parents agree it's going to be 50-50 or shared yeah. care. can be difficult then applying that. We've got different dynamics, different, different schools, routines as well. Different routines. What your work, like what the parents are working. And, and yeah. I also think um, the age of the children, when you're talking about that. Yeah. Like they can then, obviously they're they're getting older. That's how I think the child's arrangements orders, they can vary so much because you can, you could have different age children. One's in a, like a primary school, one's in a secondary school. Yeah. A secondary school, like a child has a lot more items. I think I noticed that through, like through a couple of clients, it's the, the, like the arrangement that they had isn't working because they have like the child's having to drag all of their stuff. They've got PE kits now. They've got a lot more belongings. They've got revision. They've got things like that. And, and it's then 
facing you really just you just have to think of your children like you've really you got do. to get into that mindset yeah. and I think that's when you have that positive outcome with a child arrangement yeah there. absolutely but again going back to the topic it's not that the court favors yeah. the mums mm. and that's why they're moving away from 50 50 yeah it's simply looking at what has the child been used to at the point that we bring the application to court. So true. Yeah. God, you can keep on talking and you end up not even thinking about yeah. whether we're talking because about men or women because you can end up on the, so many different sides of, of and, it. And the other thing that, that just came in into as we were talking there, and it probably isn't relative to, to men versus women, but it's worth a mention that what can then happen is parents separate and we've got two households that apply a very different dynamic to discipline. You may uh, get yeah. a parent that is, they feel it very important that the child makes their bed before they go to school. Mm. And, you know, they've really got to pick up after themselves. The other parent may be a bit more relaxed. But actually, what's important to them is perhaps that they, I don't know, socialise and, and have a great social life with their friends. And then that can become very difficult for the child because then the child's navigating between two households that discipline or, you know, have a different outlook on life. And that can cause problems with the parents. And I'll often get a parent that I'll be taking um, instructions from and they'll say, well, the other parent, there's no bedtime routine. They're not even bothered if they're to school on time and the uniform wasn't clean. But actually that parent... That's not important to them. But how does that impact upon the child? Do you and, know what I mean? I know that's going yeah, on. Yeah, no, and I but... think like that's really interesting because I then think from a child's perspective, do you think a parent could go down that whole being a cool parent, no discipline, that kind of thing, to see if then the child will be like, oh, well, I prefer living with dad. Yes. I prefer living yeah. with mum. And yeah. then you've got that whole thing going but on. But it feeds back into the co-parenting. Yeah. If you can't co-parent, if you don't have that level of trust to be able to sort of say to your ex, I know that we've fallen out, but we've created these beautiful children. Yeah. We can still work together on this. We, you know, If you want to change your day, change your weekend, let's make it happen. Yeah. Let's, let's make it work. It always, every time, will come back to co-parenting. And I think it starts when you're not in a good place with the other, like the other parent. It starts off really negative. Yeah. But I do think that sometimes you do have to open your mind because we've seen it. We've had some really horrific arguments between like the other side oh, can get really but nasty. then you can move a bit like I know it takes a few months it can take years but further down the line you do start to see and you do start to like co-parent a bit and you're like oh do you know what have that weekend and then I'll have yeah I'll have we- have a weekend yeah. another weekend and I want to take the kids on holiday because I'm off work yeah. and and things like that when, and it's when always... the lawyers are involved which yeah. is what we see mm. it does the parents do become a real positional but they've just got a very strong position yeah and it's very intense once the court action's over and the lawyers are gone, generally speaking, it does settle down. Purely, if for nothing else, the parents get exhausted. You yeah. can't keep that level of stress and anxiety going for a long period of time. There comes a point where you may just have to concede. Yeah. You know? And going off gender, as a female solicitor, have yeah. you ever had it where a client of yours has come to you and it's like, well you're like weaker because you're a, you're a female like you need to put your point of view because the other side's been a male solicitor have you ever had that happen or or something along those lines do you ever um, see that not technically just you but so people I have that opinion absolutely I think that a lot of times um I have been told not not a lot of times but um that they have gone for the male solicitor yeah because they thought that that the male solicitor would be more aggressive and get them a better result 
and that wasn't the case and then they're providing me with their instructions yeah i think in practice it will it's not down to gender mm. it's down to just the individual i have come across some very aggressive female solicitors yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i've come across some very soft and gentle male solicitors yeah. so it will be the the individual what you'll also find in family law is that it is dominated by female solicitors yeah i don't know why that is but there's so more, many female solicitors. more female solicitors within the family law context than there are male solicitors yeah for sure yeah we do see that i, yeah. I actually almost it's almost quite nice when you have a male solicitor like yeah. on the other side you're like oh yeah. you don't really see that very much yeah I wonder and why that is. I, I don't know. I think that maybe it's just that family law appeals more to women. I really don't know. Do you know. think then that's linking back to what you were saying earlier about that maternal maternal side? Possibly. You know, I think as a good family law solicitor does have to kind of be in touch with the emotion. Yeah. Maybe not in touch, but recognise that it exists. Yeah. Recognise that it does play a huge part in the decisions that are being made. Yeah. My style isn't to be aggressive. Yeah. Because I genuinely believe if I'm aggressive with the other side, I'm making the problem worse. You know, what I'm trying to do is get the parties to arrive at an agreement or as much of an agreement as possible between themselves you're trying to mellow it out you I don't am. almost want and to aggravate it any more than what it already is and and i'm not afraid to say to my clients look how about we look at conceding that point yeah. if we let that go what's really important to you maybe we let that go yeah and we focus on this because actually if i can just get my client past that sometimes yeah. it's a real mental block 100 if i can just get them past that we can remedy this and we can all go home you yeah. know but not all lawyers are like that. No, there's a lot of us out there, but we're not all. Not like everybody. That. We definitely know that one that's for yeah, sure. For sure. <laughs> no, that's really interesting. You've though. had your fair share of aggressive. Uh, honestly, Amy. I used to sit. Well, I'd sit there, and Tracy sits on a desk behind me, and yeah. she'll be like, uh, "It'll be a call," and I'm like, "Tracy, it's the other side on this person." She's yeah. like, "Yeah." And you can deal with that one. And I'm like, oh, but I just know. I know yeah. their tone. I know yeah. they're not going to be very nice. And she's like, Amy, you've got to stand your ground. Stand your ground, Amy. And I did. St- the, day, the first day I stood my ground. Oh, my God, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I was like, why well, was on Tracy that night? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, you do. You learn. You obviously... And you, you learn, obviously like the strategy of other solicitors as well like that you do you do and and i think that there's a lot of strategy deployed you know yeah. let's be aggressive let's sort of try to get to the other side let's unrattle them um you've got to be firm but fair you've got to know there's nothing personal here they they're not attacking me yeah. they're simply doing that as they think the best by their clients. Yeah, definitely. But you've got to stand your ground. You do. Amy's pretty good at that now. She's I know, I actually, I feel like I'm not yeah. too bad now. No, and like, really just don't good. take anything personal. Absolutely. But I felt like I never, never really did that did that anyway you I didn't know but I think you you had to practice oh, 100% just being there's no firm. shaking voice on the phone now yeah. <laughs> posh voice on <laughs> activated <laughs> uh, right let's have a look at another one um so fathers end up working long hours for child support therefore they don't have a chance at getting shared care I think we kind of spoke about it earlier yeah, I mean, again, it depends what a shared care arrangement looks like because we also have to think about parents that maybe live in other countries. Yeah. So how we balance up the time there is that the fathers or whoever's living overseas gets more holiday contact. So, you know, what what 
And this is the thing with family law. It's different for every family unit. Yeah. Yes, if a father works long hours, you'll get parents that are on shifts. You yeah. know, I'm thinking of police officers mm-hmm. um, who are on shifts or, or even um, members of the, the medical profession. Yeah, so it might be that mm. we actually have to do a shared care arrangement that fits around the shifts. Yeah. And I've often sat with, with parents, my clients, and we've done rotors that go six weeks ahead because we're accommodating yeah. shifts. I had a case where both mum and dad were police officers and that was a real challenge because both parents there was you know there was no welfare concerns but both had careers um, and we had to manage not just their shifts but also keeping the children in a in a good routine and not bouncing them around from house to house yeah you know so thinking of something there say if um you've got you've also got that agreement or not agreement if they're in court but you've got an order in place that you're following say if something happens to one of the parents jobs they lose their job or they change jobs and they need to change it how would how would what would happen there would they go back to court to then well again you'd hope that they could approach the parent the other parent and go look you know can we just tweak this a little bit because you don't need to go back to court to change the existing child arrangements order if you have one if both parents are in agreement to the change yeah the court's like fine you know we're going to leave you guys to go ahead and co-parent and, and get on with it that's absolutely fine it's where the other parent is quite rigid and they're like no we're sticking to the order then you leave the other parent no choice but to go back to court because their new job or whatever it is dictates that they simply can't fit in with a new routine tell you what else can throw it into a bit of a wobble where we meet new partners and where maybe step parents come in and they've got children who are Mm. also subject to a child arrangements order and then what the parents are trying to do is is have all the children on the same time yeah on the same weekend so now we're trying to navigate maybe two or three child arrangements orders yeah it's creating a family unit and it's all about blended families more and more we're seeing blended families now yeah. just got to make it work co-parenting i'm always saying it yeah we've got to co it always comes back to co-parenting it really does and i think yeah. obviously eventually getting there obviously i know it's not like we said previously you can't always have that straight away but yeah Think down the line. You've got to be open-minded. You know what would be really interesting, actually? We should do a podcast on co-parenting. Yeah. And we should see if some of our clients want to come in and talk about how they navigated a really brutal beginning yeah. when maybe a child arrangements order application was made and the difficulties that they faced and how it is now. Yeah, it's I, so true. I'm thinking of a few parents, my clients, where they would happily talk about how they navigated that. Yeah. Because... The court order will only take you so far. It will only set out that framework of contact. Yeah. It won't do anything to help the parents co-parent. That's down to them at the end of the day. And also, like, parents who haven't gone to court but have uh, managed to agree, like, their yeah. their contact yeah. is interesting. Yeah. I feel as if we've gone a little bit off-piste. I know we're talking about we men go versus women. Don't we? Yeah. we do, but I think that's just the nature of family law sometimes. Yeah, that's so true. So true. Well, we could talk about this all day. <laughs> I've really enjoyed it. I really yeah, have. I really and good. and I think the podcast, even though um, this is a new podcast, Tea yeah. with the Queen, um, we are thoroughly enjoying the conversations. Apologies that they do go off piece a little bit, guys, but I hope you enjoyed that. Yeah. If you did, be sure to join us next week. As you know, the podcasts go out every Sunday. Um, we have a few guests lined up. We've already had some guests that have yeah. said that they're going to join exciting. us. 
Um, so uh, yeah, next week I've got a very good friend of mine, Debbie, um, who is a fully qualified mediator and she's going to come on and chat with me about all things mediation and how she helps couples navigate through the mediation process to perhaps avoid the court process when we're looking at breakdowns of relationships. So it'll be so good. It will be so good. And you won't have me next week, guys. So just yeah. uh, don't miss me too much. <laughs> So guys, we'll wrap that up there. Thank you so much for watching this podcast. Look forward to speaking to you again next Sunday. Tea with the Queen. Yeah, 12 o'clock. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Stunning.